My name is Baird Davis, and you are listening to Pro Lacrosse Talk. On Schreiber. Snyder whip. Scars. Now it's by Cabell scores. Paul Rabel. Splits two. And scores. Kylie O'Miller showing off those shifty skills. Kelly, not shy, bounces one home. What a start. Welcome to Pro Lacrosse Talk, the voice of Pro Lacrosse. I'm Hunton, he's Adam. Together we're bringing you interviews with your favorite players and coaches, as well as news from all four professional lacrosse leagues. Today we have Coach Baird Davis, former MLL champion winning head coach of the Ohio Machine. Coach Davis, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks Adam. Thanks for having me. Uh, looking forward to it. Absolutely. So Coach, let's discuss kind of your diverse coaching background. You've coached at pretty much every level from youth and high school to college and the pros and eventually even uh, the Czech Republic and the World Games in 2002. Um, in particular, your resume boasts starting new lacrosse programs like at Wheeling Jesuit and Robert Morris, as well as bringing kind of a winning culture to those programs and then the machine once you got to the pro ranks. Um, kind of, We just want to talk about how you've been able to achieve so much success and what attracts you most about starting new programs. Uh, some great questions, and, and you know, for me, it was more of a matter of uh, situation, you know, like mm-hmm. when I was uh, in college and, and Wilmington College had given me the opportunity to uh, create a curriculum where I, I started uh, a high school lacrosse program uh, from scratch, you know, in a rural area uh, with two, two actually uh, of my peers at the college who helped me do it. Um, so that was my first experience, really. And I was on my first team at, at Hilliard High School, the very first mm-hmm. team. So really every experience I started off with lacrosse was building it from, from scratch. And, and I kind of had learned, you know, that, that, you know, how to do that and what pitfalls might be there. And, um, you know, I was very fortunate to have some incredible coaches in other sports uh, growing up. So, uh, you know, learning from them on how to create, you know, certain winning cultures and, and you know, some ingredients that went into that. Um, so really kind of a perfect storm in, in learning how to start programs. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. Um, and then, you know, let's talk about, too, uh, the unfortunate folding of the Ohio machine in April. Um, you know, you're not only the head coach but also a full-time employee with the machine. Uh, walk us through that day when you got the call that the machine organization would not be operating during the 2019 MLL season, and what was that experience like? Well, you know, when the uh, PLL started, you know, a lot of the players were obviously were disgruntled, and, and they found another avenue to play pro lacrosse. You know, you can start to see some things unravel, and your new change was uh, inevitable. And, and I, I, you know, you hear rumblings. I think you always hear rumblings. You know, like you always hear something is going on. and, and sure. Quite frankly, you know, I, I if you sit there and listen to rumblings all the time, you're not focused at uh, the things that you can't control. So, you know, it's good to be in the know, but it's also good to kind of block out some of the, the rumor uh, mill and just put your head down and go to work. So, sure. um, you know, in, in many regards, I, I felt like we were – uh, sustainable. Uh, you know, we were doing cutting edge things in the in the industry. You know, we had our own stadium uh, mm-hmm. contract. Yeah. We we were operating out of the stadium. We uh, were getting closer to being a year round. You know, we were becoming a year round entity, and not just seven games or eight games at home. You know, we were building other uh, pieces to to the uh, to the club, and you know, we had a great front office. Um, and, you know, so we had a lot of things, really, that were, quite frankly, the model. You know, I, I felt like we were doing 
some things that everybody else started to mimic. And, and mm. you know, our coaching convention, you know, was reaching uh, 450 attendees, you know, just a lot of really cool stuff. And then you start hearing, you know, like, you know, it was, um, you know, I think it was on a Thursday or so I got a call and someone said, hey, you know, there's a good chance that, you know, three of the four teams, uh, the Jim Davis teams would be folding and, and Ohio will be one of them. Of course, I'm like, no way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. not a chance, you know. And then, uh, then you know, confirmation on Friday that that's going to happen. And then we're announcing it on Monday. And then half of our uh, staff is handed their walking papers a week later. And uh, a lot of those, a lot of those people were younger, you know, cutting their teeth kids that were working their tail off that moved here from out of the area. And, you know, it's just, uh, it's disheartening, you know, like, um, you know, obviously it's my, my, uh, you know, it's my hometown as well. So, you know, knowing that we're not going to have that platform to help grow the game was certainly disappointing as well. Was was there any impetus uh, for that you could kind of talk about why why those were the three teams that they decided to to kind of cut short for right now? You know, I, I'm not sure that we were ever given a great answer. Sure. You know, Mr. Davis is, mm-hmm. is you know, I I can't be more grateful. I mean, because I wouldn't have had the opportunity without him. Sure. So you know, for me to question any decision that uh, you know, I know what the net loss was. You know, and, yeah. and for, for me to say, you know, why someone shouldn't continue to lose money, I mean, that's kind of selfish, you know. <laughs> yeah, sure. So I, I don't really know, you know, like, you know, but at, at the end of the day, you know, they, they, you know, he has to make decisions and, and the league has to make decisions based off of what they feel is best for, you know, their self-interest, you know. And, yep. and quite frankly, my self-interest isn't, you know, Mr. Davis's self-interest, you know, and, and I can't. You know, I, I I don't know. <clears throat> it's hard for me to speak upon that. Sure. Um, but you know, if you look uh, uh, from, I, I would believe in some ways they might feel that Dallas was a better opportunity to either sell or or, or some reason it can generate more revenue than gotcha. the three three that they dropped. I mean, um, you know, I, I honestly no one ever really gave us a great answer. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's sure. the unfortunate part. That's probably one of the most frustrating pieces too. Yeah, I can imagine. Just not getting real clarity on it. To kind of take a, a, a more positive route, let's discuss um, kind of your 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 time with the machine. Yeah, you, you came on following uh, the team's two and twelve season. You not only had winning seasons for four straight years after that, uh, but took them to back to back championships, at winning one in two thousand seventeen. So, what was it like to create a championship caliber team and eventually win it all? Yeah, uh, that's, that, again, you know, it was, um, I didn't know, you know, I just moved down to Maryland and okay. took on being the associate athletic director and, and head coach of Archbishop Spalding, which, Spalding, yep. you, you know, which was uh, an incredible opportunity for myself and my family to, yep. to, to do. And then mm-hmm. the time, uh, the machine had just finished the two and 12 season. And then they were maybe like one and five, one or one and six at the time. Um, that I received a call uh, from the president, the president, uh, former president at that time uh, was, you know, John Algy. And mm-hmm. I had met John uh, through uh, some other way, you know, drafts and some other things when I was coaching at Robert Morris. And, and he knew I had a connection to Columbus and he'd asked, you know, if I'd be willing to take over the team. And, um, you know, it, it was one of those things where I, I just moved. So I was trying to gather my bearings, you know, and I, yeah. it took me some time to make that decision. I had to watch 
I actually had to watch a lot of games just to kind of see if it would be a good fit for me, period, to, to coach. Mm-hmm. And um, I got back to him and said, you know, I think it would be a good challenge for me and plus it would give me an opportunity to, you know, fly back home, you know, and, and see some family here and there. Um, and, and I think at that time, Tom uh, Mariano had just, you know, uh, left Sacred Heart, and he's a good friend of mine. Uh, so I wanted to bring him in, someone I could trust and mm-hmm. knew would do do a, a great job and, you know, we built, uh, put together a great staff, you know, just built, built a real good staff and then sat down. And I thought, I think, uh, John Algy was a great mind. He was a great GM mind and taught us how to place value, you know, on players, you know, what, how, how to, uh, be a GM, quite frankly, you know, like yep. how to assess talent, how, you know, how to trade. And that was pieces that I didn't really know. Um, and by, I, I would say between, you know, Tom, uh, Tommy, myself, Algy, really looking at what what we had, assessing the talent that we had, and then what we needed, and then obviously having the first draft pick, and then having some conversations with Peter Baum and Kyle Harrison, and and convincing that you know Peter to come play in the league, and and watching yeah. the STX and and uh, LXM you know scenario play out. Like a lot of things really kind of fell for us, but it also yep. was a lot of hard work to make sure they fell for us. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, you know we had uh, you know we had some people helping us you know with the drafts and and doing the prospecting. I think we kind of uh, some people were doing some good jobs and, and some other teams doing that, but I mean we were getting a lot of mileage out of the sixth round, you know, mm-hmm. and some trades and players out of the player pool and. You know, we had guys like Don Marzano who was, you know, doing some research for us and they were just building that foundation. And I felt like, uh, like I said, you know, just being a little bit analytical about the shot clock and doing some things yeah. a little bit differently from the analytics side. And uh, and when it all came together, we, we felt like, no, I have a building a great locker room. You know, I think we had some great guys that, you know, <laughs> you know we had some, you know, Marcus Holman and, and Tom Shriver and, mm-hmm. You know, Peter Baum, I mean, you got some, you know, some great talent uh, to to work with. You know, Steel Stanwick. I mean, you can go on and on. Scotty Rogers and, and so on and so on. Just great yeah. personalities, great locker room. They they bonded well. So, perfect storm. You know, that's great. I mean, we talked to Steel and, and Tom, and, uh, you know, they both enjoyed their time in Ohio. Um but uh, like you said, you mentioned you grew up in Ohio. Uh, you know, you, you've lived there, coached in your home state with the machine, and you're currently still involved with Central Ohio Youth Lacrosse. Uh, what has it been like seeing the growth of the game in your home state? You know, and it's really become like somewhat of a hotbed in the last ten years and had tremendous growth. So, what has that been like? Well, you know, it, it's been awesome, really. I mean, you know, for for me to pick up my first stick, I think it was 1988 or so, and uh, we we had our first uh, state tournament, uh, high school boys state tournament in '89. It wasn't sanctioned by the high school association, but it was like a a coaches association. And I I believe we had maybe 12 teams, and and Worthington's like JV team was probably filling out the bracket as the 12th team. If if I you know, <laughs> I mean, we probably didn't even have a full 12 teams. Yeah, you know, to be honest with you, and. Mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I just had so much fun with it. You know, we had so many good, you know, good friends and good relationships and meeting guys from other schools. But now, you know, you look, they had, you know, it was like 120 some odd high schools playing yeah. and, and, 
you know, uh, my hometown had the first youth league probably around 93, 94. And, and we moved back uh, here in 2015. And, and, you know, uh, my, you know, my son played in that youth league and, mm-hmm. and, you know, I started looking around and it was kind of a little bit like the wild west, you know, like, like uh, they were trying mm-hmm. to get the scheduling together and teams were, you know, maybe playing by a couple different rules here and there. And there was one league that existed, but not everybody was in that league. And so I met with that league director. I said, Hey, how can the machine support, you know, support this and how can we yeah. grow this and how can we be a backbone? Cause really youth is where, you know, we need to focus if we're going to grow this properly. And mm-hmm. so we did, I think we have maybe 12 communities and we're up to this year. We'll probably have 23 to 24 communities playing now. And we go, uh, uh, I mean, some of the areas that we have lacrosse would blow your mind. You know, we're, we're in the rural. We have teams now that are suburbs, suburbs of the suburbs. And this mm-hmm. year we'll have our first uh, inner city teams participating. So it's real That's exciting. That's awesome. And kind of going off that a little bit, um, talking about the, the youth side of things, um, what is something you think that uh, Central Ohio Youth Lacrosse and others um, in areas like uh, urban or rural um, can do to continue to grow? And maybe what, what's a hurdle you see the sport needs that, um, that you think the sport needs to overcome to continue to grow? Yeah, you know, today uh, I had a great conversation actually with the youth uh, director mm-hmm. uh, of a community over in Western PA. I still do a lot of work back there. And, and sure. um, you know, she was just talking about like, hey, we have a lot of dads that really want to you know, help, but they just don't know, you know, yeah. and we need, we need mm-hmm. coaches. We need, co- and I, and that's why we started our convention because, you know, when I, whether it was uh, Robert Morris or wherever I was, I get calls all the time. Hey, do you know anybody that could coach a team? And, you know, yeah. I was like, listen, no, <laughs> they're not out there. It's like, they're not out there. They don't really exist. The, you, you have who's going to coach your team probably. And we just need to do a better job of educating them. And, sure. and, and, you know, Early on, I'd do clinics, and, and sometimes the coaches wouldn't even be there. Now, you know, when I do a clinic, I pretty I, I make it mandatory that the coaches are there. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it's like the – I I love uh, the phrase, you know, you, you give a man a fish, he eats for a day. You know, mm-hmm. you, yep. you know, you teach him how to fish, he eats for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. I, I feel that's the same way with what we're doing. You know, like if we're not training trainers as we're doing clinics, then we're – it's – it's dead in the water as soon as we walk out the door. Sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, I think those are the biggest keys to growing anywhere is that the, the experience, the, the first of all, affordability, you know, I think you got to mm-hmm. make it affordable. Sure. And, and now we all, you know, the people in the industry, we have to make a living. I get it. Sometimes I'm looking at a price point. I'm like, you know, the, the rich get richer, you know, like yeah. this isn't, I don't, I always ask myself, is that price point growing the game? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is, so, is someone new to the game going to spend? Now, it depends on the clinic, too, right? I mean, if you're talking about an elite level, you know, that person going to have a little different interest. But if you're doing sure. a youth league, invested, you know, whatever you're trying to get, you know, sticks in hands, and then you look at the price point, and it doesn't really match what that is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have a fundamental issue with that. And I think it's got to be affordable. And we got to train trainers and, you know, we get, we need to certify referees. We need to make sure that parents um, understand that their coaches and their referees are doing their best <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and, and don't scare away the ones that have stepped up. Um, 
you know, you see a big movement on that and I, and you know, I, I think that's as important as anything that we can do. Mm-hmm. So yeah, those are all, I mean, equipment accessibility, you know, that, that's, that's gotta be there. And you know, these are all things that, you know, we've, we've focused on here and, you know, in Ohio and, and trying to combat those things. No, that's great. You know, and we, we talk about growing the game, growing the game all the time, but I think those are some practical ways that we can, you know, again, like you said, lower the barrier of entry because um, that's ultimately how you're going to grow the game is at the youth level and getting people, you know, to be able to participate and not make, you know, the cost associated with equipment and, you know, these clinics um, an issue for them. But yeah, really great um, advice, I think, and some points you make. Um, but let's talk about maybe the pro game growing that on a, you know, a macro level. You've obviously been behind the scenes with the MLL, um, and now you've got to watch, you know, a summer of, as a spectator of the PLL. Um, what are some things you think the MLL and PLL are each doing well, and what are areas you think they both need improvement? Well, there, there's no question that the the PLL pushed the MLL to be better in certain mm-hmm. areas, mm-hmm. and you know, I'm sure in some of those areas, you know, the, the the PLL can sit back and take credit for, you know, why why the MLL got better in some areas. But, you know, it's hard to say. I mean, because mm-hmm. you, got, you did get a new commissioner and, you know, maybe he had some of that stuff in mind. Maybe he didn't. You know, maybe mm-hmm. maybe some of that stuff did push his uh, creativity a little bit or, or, you know, or the whole group in general. And, and um, you know, that those those, will, those things will probably go uh, unanswered, however. Sure. Um Nonetheless, it made you know it, there was co- competition breeds you know better product, mm-hmm. and you know the PLL had uh, a solid you know 18 years of evaluation of a league mm-hmm. to say that's that's not what we want, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah. like so you know I, I, that's not an advantage necessarily maybe that the MLL had, and I think when you start a league you can get caught in some certain ruts of not knowing how to get over certain hurdles. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's maybe where the MLL got, you know, it had to, you know, we, we had the same commissioner for uh, a long time. who did a great job of stabilizing, making it, you know, um, operate, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't, sometimes you got to take risk and I'm not quite sure when, when you can survive year to year, how many risks you're willing to take. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I, and I think that's probably why the owners got to where they were with, you know, trying to say, hey, you know, we, we need to, I you know, we, we need to do some things different. And sometimes you got to go backwards to go forwards. And, and it, it's uh, it's been an interesting summer, though. I think some of the stuff has been great. You know, like NBC, yeah. NBC's, uh, you know, obviously, I think has been a standard, you know, this summer and broadcast. Uh, I don't think that the MLs, I mean, as far as like, you know, you got some great broadcasters, you got knowledgeable broadcasters, but the graphics, Mm -hmm. the camera angles, and, you know, just the overall package was just superior by the PLL, you know, Mm -hmm. like, and that's, uh, but, you know, to also look at it and say, you know, you have a whole digital network dedicated to the game of lacrosse, um, that's pretty powerful, too. It Certain. might have been a, it might have been ahead of its time a little bit, and that's why it got knocked so much. Yeah, and maybe if it could have had a little better production, you know, which I mm-hmm. think they're getting closer to, you know. Yeah. But to me, having an app on my TV that's nothing but lacrosse is pretty awesome. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Unfortunately, 
unfortunately it took a a pretty big kick you know just because of some of the production quality and some of the people you know if you're dedicated to the game of lacrosse your your anchors and which they have some great ones on there but you know when you get one on there they can't pronounce guys names and they don't really you know they're gonna get upset about that mm-hmm. yeah no no it's it makes sense and um yeah, and I think you hit the nail on the head, too, with the TV part because, you know, I, I always talk about with people, people want to talk about attendance, and really it hasn't, you know, it was great uh, at the PLL Championship, but, you know, from week to week, it, it wasn't like a drastic difference between leagues, but the, the biggest thing, like you said, is the broadcast, and that's how you're going to get net new fans, you know, in the Midwest, um, in these areas that are not accustomed to lacrosse. Um, if they're seeing it on NBC or NBC Sports, you know they're going to see what you know. What is this? Let me tune in. And if you have a you know a first class broadcast, you're going to automatically be able to attract them somewhat. So uh, yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head with the TV part. But that really wraps up our our main questions. Yeah, but we 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 like to do um, uh, a five and five segment where we ask you five lacrosse related questions and then five life-related questions. It's supposed to be fun, kind of get to know you better, but we're going to take a quick break, hear a word from our sponsors, and then we'll get back into it. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Today's show is being brought to you in part by Stitcher Premium. You can use Stitcher Premium to listen to shows ad-free such as Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, My Favorite Murder, Wolverine the Lost Trail, or our favorite, the Fantasy Footballers. For only $4.99 a month or $34.99 a year, you get access to Stitcher Originals, bonus episodes, and comedy albums. Better yet, if you go over to stitcher.com premium and use the promo code lacrosse today, you can get one month free. So head on over to Stitcher, sign up, and get your free trial today. So we'll start off uh, with the five lacrosse-related questions. So we'll start with number one. And what's one thing that you think uh, the Ohio Machine organization and yourself did really well, whether it's from kind of an operation standpoint or a fan engagement standpoint? You seem to be one of the most successful teams when it came uh, to fan outreach and those types of things. So what's the most successful thing you guys think you did? Whenever we sat down in, in a meeting, Looking at our product from all angles, you know, from mm-hmm. a fan perspective, player, referee, you know, par- uh, college kid to a parent, you know, like what is this, you know, what what does the high machine look like, you know, and 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 how can we cater to all those different segments, you know, mm-hmm. of of people that have eyes on us and. And uh, I thought that that was fun, you know. I think that that was one of my favorite parts was that we could be something uh, for for everybody, really, you know. Right. And, and how do we do that? You know, how do we tackle that? And I think we were getting pretty close to that. Awesome. This one's a little shorter, but it might be a little bit more difficult. What was your what's been your favorite lacrosse memory thus far through your career or coaching and playing? I would say, and the championship was pretty cool. Sure. Yep. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. That was pretty awesome. Um, you know, I, I've, I've been runner up, uh, several times and, mm-hmm. and, 
you know, been in the playoffs and been in a lot of things, but to actually uh, hold, hold the trophy and know that, yeah. you know, you were the best uh, team that, that year and knowing what, you know, all the work that goes into that um, and knowing where that team was, you know, when, when we took it over. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'd say that was pretty cool. Awesome. Number three. So when you are coaching, do you have any game day rituals or superstitions? Oh, generally pregame coffee. Okay. Uh, that That's definitely going to take place. You know what? I'm usually pretty chill on game day. You know, I, I, I actually, I do have one, my, my clipboard, I I manually do my clipboard. Um, I chart plays. Okay. And probably for me, it's just been my way of getting dialed into the game, you know, probably 20, 25 minutes before the game. I, I'm sure. generally drinking my coffee, and I, I literally put my lines in pen but with a ruler on nice. there. I don't <laughs> – <laughs> uh, that's just, that's just that's what awesome. I do. <laughs> that's great. Um so this one, I mean, you've, you've had the opportunity to coach at a lot of different levels and places. So um, any particular lacrosse venue that's been your favorite to coach at? So many cool uh, yeah. places. Yeah. Yeah. So many really cool places. I'm trying, I mean, Denver's it's pretty special. I mean, to walk out and, uh, uh, you know, that uh, a professional level stadium and be, you know, like that professional football stadium yeah. and, and, and Navy Marine Corps has so much, um, you know, incredible history to it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you you just look look at all the battles that are on the walls there, and you're like, wow, this is <laughs> this yeah. is pretty crazy, pretty crazy uh, history here. Uh, I'd say those two have been. You know, honestly, I can't. I, I mean, there's so many. I'd have to do a top ten yeah. list, you know, because I'd say yeah. even play playing Gilman when I you know was coaching at Spalding and you yeah. know the history of the kids sitting on the hill there and yep. you know still playing on old school grass and you know that that's such a unique environment sure. um yeah I, you know really honestly one of my favorite venues is is the the field I first played you know varsity lacrosse uh-huh. on here in Hilliard it sits in the middle of town no high school you know our youth use it now and my son got to play on it and Memorial Fields where it all began for me. So yeah. that's probably got the coolest feel to it, especially when your kids get to play on it. Yeah, it's a lot of meaning for sure. That's awesome. That's great. Um, and, and then kind of lastly, um, who's someone in the lacrosse community that you admire or look up to, whether that's a coach, former player, player, opponent? Hmm. I'd say I got a ton of mentors. I mean, so many yeah. good good people that had – Helped me along the way, but uh, I'd say Double D. Daryl Delia is one of one of them who had had been my assistant coach. Um, you know, it dates back to probably nineteen, like right around nineteen ninety seven, ninety six, ninety seven. He was the assistant at Yale, mm-hmm. and I was the uh, head coach at Wilmington High School in in um, in you know just north of Cincinnati, and and I was just a young you know young punk then, and and he. Uh, I did a clinic with him and him and I went and had dinner afterwards. And, you know, I think uh, him being a you know big time Ivy league assistant, you know, he could have not, you know, given me the time of day and, and, sure. you know, instead he, uh, you know, opened up his, you know, his arms and said, Hey, you know, there's a hardworking kid. And, and I'm what, you know, he helped me get into camps. He helped me learn. And I think I just learned a ton from him just on how to treat people, yeah. you know, sure. <laughs> So, 
that, you know, for me, that's why I love giving the game because people like him who you know, taught me that this is just such a good fraternity to be in. Sure. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's great. Um, so that kind of, you know, covers our lacrosse-related questions, and then we like to ask some life ones, you know, off the field. Um, so the first one I'll ask you are, you have any hobbies or activities you enjoy doing when you're not coaching? I have a, well, I have a 72 Volkswagen van. Okay. Awesome. So I, I I like to camp. I like to, you know, like to hang out and, you know, I watch, uh, you know, tailgate, go to, I like to go to live events, live games nice. and, you know, I enjoy, you know, those kind of experiences still, even though, you know, we got great high def, uh, TVs and all yeah. that. I still, I still think that, you know, live, live events are pretty cool. That's great. Um, and then what's your favorite place to vacation? Uh, well, I'm a beach guy for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. love, love the beach. My, my wife and I love going to Hawaii. That's probably one of our favorite oh, wow, great. places. Yeah, I mean, there's, I don't think there's, for us, I don't think there's a, I mean, we've traveled all over the world, but one of our favorite places is probably North Shore, watching the surfers, and that's mm-hmm. probably, yeah, doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, that's awesome. Number three, what is your favorite meal, and do you prefer to uh, dine out, uh, take out, or cook at home? My favorite meal is whatever my wife cooks. Okay. Yeah, like, Great uh, answer. <laughs> I mean, you know, she's she's pretty good at surprising me, but I've been with her for 20 years, and I don't think there's ever been a dish that I've not liked. So I've been pretty fortunate. That was pretty. That was a prereq to marriage, you know. Like, <laughs> yep. And uh, she hits home runs a lot there, but uh, uh, you know, I, I've. I, I'd say German food's also a big. I'm, I grew up in my mom's side was a German uh, mm-hmm. family, the Bowers. So okay. I grew up in the Oktoberfest lifestyle. So you know the sausages and the pierogies and yep. the kraut. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I look forward to October and grilling out all that stuff. And nice. you know, my my, my wife uh, grew up in the Ohio Valley where pierogies and all that stuff's a thing. So yep. pretty lucky. That's great. Um, now for who's a leader in a different sport or industry that you respect and you kind of try to emulate or that you've modeled your coaching after? I mean, all my high school coaches really, you know, mm-hmm. are probably mm-hmm. my biggest influences. I mean, I, I, I was real fortunate to, um, to be under some, or, you know, play for some of Ohio's like legendary coaches <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. so ken ash was my wrestling coach i think his dull meat record when he retired was like 225 and 25 or something like that and uh-huh. and you know i think just you know having the confidence you know that he was able to build in high school kids and and you know a public school um atmosphere where we compete against the private schools that recruited and everything was just you know, still this day, I don't know how he did it. You know, like I, I, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of my coaching comes from that. And then, you know, I played for a, um, you know, legendary high school football coach too, who was just so, just very relentless. You know, in pursuit of 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 you know our goals, and you know, um, did some really cool mind stuff with us. You know, like as far as like training us to believe, you know, in ourselves. So. Yeah, you know, like I said, you know, my I had a youth coach, you know, it's a, a sixth grade football coach who, still to this day, I catch myself doing stuff that you know that he did. It kept very very simple. Like we did six plays, 
And those six plays were like, we ran those for two hours, you know, like, yeah. so we, you know, like every team in the country could have known what was coming, but they could, you know, <laughs> just couldn't stop it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, those, those kind of people, you know, and I think uh, even that same coach, you know, he was the kind of guy that, you know, if a kid didn't have cleats, he made sure he got cleats, you know, and like, mm-hmm. so a lot of, a lot of cool influential, you know, other sports, you know, the people that helped me. And now our, our final one we, we like to ask, and uh, we usually get the best answers, I feel like, out of this one. What's a book on your bookshelf that you've read or are reading right now that you'd recommend to um, a colleague or a friend? Yeah, so I'm reading Whale Done, which is really intriguing. Uh, just a different leadership style and, and relationship. Uh, it's really just based on how the trainers um, at SeaWorld trained uh, Shamu. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one thing that you get out of it is that, that you know, you can't discipline um, a killer whale. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you, you can't just get in there and, like, spank it. You know, like, yeah, that's yeah. just not going to work. And, and and it just teaches you how, you know, uh, building trust and, you know, um, those kind of things, which I think it's, it's just been a, an intriguing, different leadership style book. And I'm not quite done with it yet, but that's the one I've been reading. Probably one of the most important influential books of, uh, I would recommend anybody's uh, Make the Impossible Possible by Bill Strickland. Okay. Um, that's, that's um, I think that's pretty impactful. It's, it's you know, someone wants to see a, a vision um, that, you know, someone had and how they can impact the community is pretty, pretty cool. Awesome. All right. Well, that wraps up our, our five and five segment, but um, we usually like to end coach on, uh, one question that we'll ask specifically of players and we'll ask specifically of coaches, but what is some advice that you would have for someone that's maybe just getting into coaching or, um, you know, trying to turn around a season? Uh, what's any coaching advice that you'd have for somebody that's interested in uh, getting involved? Uh, it's, uh, I would say just continue to learn, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, that That's probably the biggest key, you know, because – like you had mentioned, who are some of the coaches that you you know you you look at and admire, and and you ask me that like Coach Wolford, who was on my staff for um, you know with the higher machine, um, you know Coach Wolford was coaching at Worthington Kilbourne my senior year, and he was the Upper Arlington coach before that. So I mean, this guy's mm-hmm. been co- he's legendary, you know, he's been around, yeah. he's he's forgotten more lacrosse than I'll probably ever know, and mm-hmm. and. Anywhere we went, it didn't matter. Wherever we were, he was taking notes. Mm-hmm. You know, he was like, man, I really like that twist. I really like that joke. And just his sheer enthusiasm for, you know, wanting to learn and, and, you know, wanting to get better. And I think it's like the opposite when I hear, like, when we're doing our coaching convention and I hear these high school head coaches are like, yeah, maybe I'll send my JV staff. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I'm sorry. Did you just win a couple state championships? Did you get yeah. it all figured out already? I mean, <laughs> you know. Uh, meanwhile, here's, you know, uh, Coach Wolford, who's Teddy Wolford from Upper Arlington's brother, who Teddy will be there taking notes as well. You know, yeah. it's like this guy's won 19 state championships, and he shows up and he's taking notes. Like, maybe that's the guy you should be uh, emulating. And, and um, you know, so – yeah, I'd say just have that thirst to, to um, you know, to, to get better. And um, I, I'd say just make sure you keep in perspective that it's a game, you yeah. know, and, and 
Um, you know, we talked about that a lot with the high machine and then our locker room is like, it's supposed to be fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, whenever it's not fun for people, then it's no longer a game. You know, it's, yeah. it's, all, it's something else. And you know, I think what keeps me motivated is the fact that it's just, you know, I, I always keep that perspective that, you know, Hey, this is a game, you know, <laughs> like yeah. it's supposed to be fun. We're supposed to be having fun here. Yep. Absolutely. Well, coach, this has been great. We really appreciate you coming on. Um, where can people find you either online or on social media? Yeah, so I have, uh, well, we have allohiolacrosse.com is all all of our avenues, you know, through um, through all the events that we're, we're, we're hosting there. And then my Twitter handle is at Barry Sent Lax. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I call it my random thoughts area, you know, whatever I, Whenever I'm thinking something, it usually goes on there, and whether people, you know, care or not, that's where it is. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> well, we we we've 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 cared because you know that's kind of how we connected on Twitter. So, um, yeah, I think it, it, what you're doing is great, and I think, like I said, you provide a unique perspective because um, you know there's you don't really have any ties right now, and um, you know you've been in the industry, and I think that's kind of unique and. Um, important to be sharing your opinion, you know, while we see the growth of professional lacrosse. So I'd say keep up the good work. (laughs) No, I appreciate it. And I I try to, I try to stay neutral in in that and, you know, be a a cheerleader for pro lacrosse. But at the same time, you know, if you deserve criticism, I'm, you know, I'll I'll throw it out there. You know, I'm not afraid. Yeah. (laughs) Yep, absolutely. All right, guys. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Coach. We appreciate it. Uh, Best of luck, and uh, we'll be in touch.